Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. And especially if you're new or visiting or just checking us out, make sure you uh, head to our website, our Facebook, Instagram, and most importantly, come and visit us in person. It'd be great to have you join us and get to know us. And speaking of in person, we had the most beautiful, amazing Sunday service this past Sunday. Uh, number one, is it was our first baby dedication service and our daughter Anastasia had the honor of being our first baby to be dedicated in our church's history and on top of that we had our pastors there pastors Jack and Carol Haynes and you know Maria and I have had the the same pastors for over 20 years they did our wedding they've dedicated all three of our children now and also they really did send us off into our destiny of planting a church pioneering every one church it was great to have them with us so what I thought I'd do is just Play the recording from Sunday. We normally don't do this because there tends to be background noise of go-karts and kids yelling and stuff, but it wasn't too bad, and I thought it'd be good to just hear from Pastor Jack and Pastor Carol themselves. So let's enjoy this together. Thank you so much. Sweetheart, you want to come and say hi? Please take your seat. It's my girlfriend. <laughs> Almost 49 years she's been my girlfriend. It hasn't been that long. <laughs> We're losing track here. It's so good to see you, and it's really great to be back here again. And what a special occasion as well to dedicate babies. And I just love that part of life and doing life. And I was, you know, sort of thinking in the car just how long we've known these two. And again, watching them grow up, like actually grow up as youth in the church, get married, have babies, and now church planners. What a thing. Amen. It's great doing life together. And so good to see you again. Thanks, baby. I think it's kind of cool, Simon. You're pioneering in a, uh, you know, go go kart track. We we pioneered in 1987 at the Panthers Leagues Club. I think this is cooler than that. Uh, what we would do is anytime we would hear the pokey bells go off downstairs, we'd send one of the ushers down to see if anyone wanted to tithe on their, on their winnings. You know, because we were we were upstairs having church. We we met in the leagues club for well over a year or so, year and a half. I don't recall. I think they're still reaping the benefit with four grand final appearances. and th- I'm going to take a little credit for that now, now that I think about it. Well, it's, a, it's an honor and it's a joy. And, of course, Simon and Maria are sons and daughters to us, you know. And uh, we have the privilege of doing life together. You know, a long time ago, our thought was, oh, let's raise up leaders. Let's raise up leaders. But the Lord showed me something way better than raising up leaders. And that's raising up sons and daughters. And uh, that's what Carol and I have the privilege now of being a part of. Even now dedicating babies of babies we dedicated. And that's pretty cool. And it uh, shows your age, but nothing I can do about that. Let's just pray, and I'm going to share a few thoughts with you this morning from the scriptures. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this place and these precious people. And Lord, our church family. That, that meets out here, Father. And I just thank you for the, the, not only the great seed that is sown here, Father, but I thank you for the great harvest that is coming here, Lord. Thank you for faithful friends and faithful family and members. And thank you for an outward focus, an everyone else focused 
house. I love that. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just inward focused, but outward focused. And so I ask you now to just please take these thoughts and these few simple things that I want to share, and I pray that they would become really useful to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Our theme this year has, has been a king and a cause, a king and a cause. And we're trying to put our focus on what I believe is the greatest person that we could ever love and the greatest purpose that we could ever live, a king and a cause, a kingdom. And Jesus taught us to pray to our Father in heaven, and he said, pray this, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he, in that prayer, we learn about the life that we live in the kingdom. It's a life of daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a life of daily pardon and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's a life of daily protection as we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so we, living in this king and, and cause kingdom, we live in this realm of daily provision, daily pardon, and daily protection. But the real prayer here is, Lord, your kingdom come. You know, I think a lot of the church is praying, Lord, let your church go. But he's not saying, I pray my church will go. He's saying, pray the kingdom will come. And my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so because this is our theme this year, the measure, the measure for this mandate is found in answering this one simple question that we ask every day. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So here's the measure and here's the question I ask myself every day. What on earth am I doing for heaven's sake? What on earth am I doing for heaven's sake? What on earth am I saying for heaven's sake? What on earth am I believing for heaven's sake? What on earth am I giving for heaven's sake? And then Jesus shows us the priority that this should have in our life. Your life and my life is filled with lots of concerns. We all have lots of concerns. We have work, we have kids, we have family, we have health, we have bills to pay. So where does this king and his cause, this kingdom, this kingdom come? Where does it fit in the realm of our priority and our concerns? Where do I place that? You know, because there's a lot of them here. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God. And with what he requires of you, and then he'll provide all these other concerns. He'll provide all these other things. If you'll make your first concern this king and his cause, the, new, the old King James Version says, seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. These are two Greek words. Uh, seek is the word zeteo, and then proton is the word first. Seek means to desire, inquire, and require. That's what seek means. And then first First, in time, in place, in order, and importance, the kingdom of God. And then Jesus makes this astounding statement to his followers. 
And honestly, if we could get this revelation into our heart, I cannot tell you the clarity it would bring to your life, to your inner life and to your outer life. If we could just lay hold of what Jesus says. And here's what he says in John 15, 19. Wait for this. You are not of this world Man, if we could get that settled, if we could somehow let that lay down on us and, and sink into us, nothing but clarity will come to you and me. You are not of this world. And then he prays this intimate prayer in John 17 to his father, and he says this to his father. He says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus says, they're no more of the world than I am. And then he says this, but I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but I do pray that you should keep them from the evil one. And of course, that's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus says this, behold. Now, by the way, there's a few beholds in the Bible. And when you hear a behold, that means, yeah, look up. <laughs> but I think this is the greatest behold of all beholds in the Bible. And here's what Jesus says, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Man, everywhere you go, the kingdom comes. The kingdom of God is within you. Thy kingdom come. Everywhere you go, the kingdom comes. The kingdom is within you. My pastor, as, as Simon mentioned, Pastor Tom Messer, who's 86 years old and still shoots an 84, Steve, on the golf course. Dude, I love him and hate him at the same time. You know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But I, I'll actually be with him next week. I'm going to stay in his home in, there in Phoenix. But I, every now and then I'll call him and ask him, how you doing, Pastor? How you going? And the other day I called him and I said, Pastor, I said, is the Lord impressed any word on your heart? Is there something that you feel is, you know, alive in you that you feel like maybe God, you've heard the Lord speak? And he said, yeah. He said, the Lord the other day I felt was speaking to me about the power of footprints. The power of footprints. He says, great, th he said to me, great things happen when we make footprints. You know, that's what we did this morning. We've made footprints all the way up here. He says, because God said to Abraham, everywhere your foot steps, I will give it to you. I will give you where you, where you step, where, where, where there's a footprint. And then he said, he reminded me, he said, back in 1987, you and Carol got off a train in Penrith and made footprints in Penrith in 1987. And he said to me, and the rest is kind of history. So God speaks, we make footprints. And somehow marvelous things happen, like right here, like right now. But not a lot happens until we move. And so what happens when we move? His kingdom comes. His kingdom comes when we move. It's inside of me. This king and his cause, it's inside you. The very sense of duty and devotion that you feel to him comes from within. It comes from the kingdom that is within you. And you know what? All a person really needs on this planet all a, and I would say all a man really needs, but of course I mean a woman too, is someone to love and something to do. Someone to love and something to do. And we have someone to love and we have something to do. And his kingdom come and his will be done. This is our priority. Jesus said this in Matthew 11 and verse 12. From the time that John the Baptist, I guess he was living next door to Luke the Methodist. I don't know, but John the Baptist... 
from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven, listen to this, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it, but it has been forcefully advancing. It's estimated that at the end of the first century, for every Christian, there were two and a half thousand people on this planet that weren't Christians. But by the end of the second century, as it advances, that number was for every Christian, there was 1,250. By the end of the third century, it was for one Christian, there were 40. And by the middle of the 20th century, for every one Christian, there are three non-Christians. The kingdom, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. So how do we advance this kingdom that I'm talking about today? Again, Jesus says in Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. Everywhere the kingdom of God is preached, people press in to it. And so how do we advance the kingdom of God? Number one, by declaring and sharing the good news, the kindness of this king that he's displayed on the cross through his son. We advance this kingdom through the proclamation, through the message of Jesus. But the other way we advance this kingdom, and I saw that just this few moments ago on the screen, here's a second way we advance this kingdom. And Jesus shows us the scene at the end of the world in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, we're talking the end of the age here, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Well, that's where the king sits. Then the king, the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Watch. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came to me. We advance the kingdom of God through the good news of the gospel and the good deeds of his people. I'm going to say that again. We advance this kingdom. We advance this kingdom through the good news of the gospel and the good works of God's people. Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 16, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do, the good things you do, and then praise your father in heaven. Now, some say, oh, no, no, wait a minute. The Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand does. Yeah, I get that. But that's kind of for, that's another teaching. And that's about, not, you know, not for you. I don't do this to puff me up. Jesus said, no, do good deeds that glorify me and let people see those good deeds, and I will be glorified. And so this is what we must do. When we show the mercies of Jesus and the kindness of the king, we advance the kingdom. And this is how his will is done, through the message of Jesus and through the mercies of Jesus. Those who live on earth with the kingdom of God within them. Carol and I were overseas just a few months ago, and we got a call from our daughter. And her and her husband live up in Tamworth, and they have our seventh grandbaby now. Little cowboy, little Tamworth cowboy, sort of. I think he already likes country music. I'm not sure. 
But she said, uh, she said, Dad, I was, I was at the Coles the other day. And she said, there was a lady in front of me. And she said she was struggling, total stranger. She said she would ask the, 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 the lady at the, at the counter, uh, how much was that? Oh, take that out. And so she'd keep adding up, putting more groceries. No, 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 take that out too. And Krista said, Dad, it just touched my heart. And, and her and her husband, he has, he's a business, he has, they have a business, and their heart's desire is this king and his cause. The whole reason they live is for the message and the mercy of Jesus. And so she leaned over to this dear lady, and she said, excuse me. She said, my husband and I are Christians, and we have a, a little business here in town. And she said, you know what? I cannot tell you how much it would delight me if you would allow me to pay for your groceries today. And she said, oh, no, 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 I, don't, I wouldn't do that. And so she continued, no, take that out, no, take that out. And, and, then, and then by the t- she puts the credit card in, and it's rejected. So she's now going through two or three credit cards. And again, it took th- three times, three times she said to her, if you would allow, I, I would just really be honored to pay for your groceries today. No, no, I don't do that, no. And so Carissa walked out to her car, and just before she got in, the lady came up to her in the car park. And she said, look, thank you. And I'm really grateful that as a Christian, she, she said, but I, I don't, she said, but if you're a Christian, would you pray for my son? Because he's harming himself. He's, he's cutting himself. Would you pray for him? And when she told me that story, I said, you know what, sis, I call her sissy. An American thing, I guess. I said, I feel like in that moment, you turned common ground into holy ground. What's more common than coals? But what's more holy than trying to help someone that's hurting? And that's what we do, family, with this whole king and his cause. We want to turn common ground, all around us common ground, through the mercies, through the kindness, and the goodness of Jesus, we want to turn it into holy ground. That's what we do. We want to bring the kingdom of heaven to the culture of this world. And when we act like Jesus, when we extend love, when we extend kindness, when we extend mercy, we're turning common ground into holy ground. And that's how we advance his kingdom, and that's how his will is done on earth. So uh, we were in Oklahoma, and I was visiting some family there and uh, that morning I had an opportunity to go play nine holes of golf before the family reunion and so I just went out by myself to this little oaky golf course and um, just as I started to tee off the uh, professional came running out and he said excuse me excuse me he said I need you to do me a solid and I thought you need me to do you a solid I'm trying to because I think Aussie now I don't think I don't think I don't think Yankee I think Aussie you know and uh I said, what's that? He said, well, he said, I've got a guy that just drove in from Oklahoma City, and he wanted to play golf. I have nowhere to slot him in. Would you mind if he played golf with you? I said, no problem. No problem. So this kind of big fella comes up, very interesting-looking guy. And uh, he, he had tattoos like I had never seen before. Now, I'm all, all cool. Where are your sleeves? I don't, but this guy's tattoos, he had like 16 portraits, little round portraits all over himself uh and you know i didn't say dude i just you know t 
the offs, you know, we played, and Paul, I'm Jack, and how are you? And after three or four holes, as we began to just, you know, be more friendly, uh, I, I asked him about his tattoos. And he said, these are 16 buddies that I lost in Afghanistan. And I told him I was ex-military and ex-infantry, and we began to talk. And then he began to open up to me a little bit. And he began to tell me about his life since he's been back. Not good. His relationship since he's been back. Not good. So by the time we got to the ninth hole, he's going to play another 18, and I got to go. But we're standing there on the ninth hole. And I said, Paul, I said, would you mind if I prayed for you before we leave? I had no idea what he'd say. Get lost, Jack? I don't know, you know. He took his hat off, and he bowed his head, and he said, yes, thanks. I couldn't believe it. So I just put my arm on his shoulder, and I thank God for him, and thank God for his service to his country, and this relationship he was in, and these, her kids hate him. And I just prayed this simple prayer, and we shook hands, and he walked off. And I was kind of looking down at the green, because we were standing right on the green. And I had this sense in just that moment that that common ground had just become, in a way, Holy ground. And that's what we do. That's how we advance the cause of Jesus. We turn common ground into holy ground. A few years ago in Penrith, we wanted to do something for the, because of the terrible domestic violence that we have out here in the western suburbs of Sydney. And so we, through our missions giving, Simon, and you guys would have helped with that, we, we put, we, we, we built, uh, we redid two two-bedroom apartments side by side with the dream that every year we would provide a thousand safe sleeps for battered women. And some of the cases, you wouldn't even want to know, of women that have brought up to six children and, and have stayed there and so beaten, so battered, and so bruised. And I called our director the other day, uh, and we established this in 2018, and our goal was 1,000 safe sleeps a year. And I said, Andrew, how many safe sleeps have we provided so far? And a few months ago, he said to me, so far we've provided 7,908 safe sleeps. Now, here's the deal. Here's why I'm sharing this with you. What's more common ground than Kingswood? And if you live out in the western suburbs, you know what I'm talking about. There ain't nothing more common ground than Kingswood. And yet Jesus said, I read this just a moment ago. Jesus said, I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. Every night that Jesus sleeps in those apartments, they are holy ground. Now, we may not be able to turn water into wine, but Jesus teaches us how to turn common, ordinary, regular, dusty, earthly ground into holy ground. Here's what he said in Matthew 5, 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. I mean, there's nothing more common than a mile, but there's nothing more uncommon than two miles. And of course, what Jesus was referring to was the, occupied for, the occupying forces. The Romans could stop anyone and compel them to carry their rucksack, all their kit, all their military kit. 
they would commit, they, they were obliged to carry for a Roman soldier a mile and then drop it and turn around and go back a mile. As a matter of fact, uh, the Good News Bible says it this way. And if one of the occupation troops forces you to carry his pack one mile, carry it two miles. One mile is common ground, but two miles is holy ground. You see, it's in that second mile that that big Roman... So, so you get to the first mile, and he says, all right, kid, you can put it down. And instead, he looks up, and he says, you know what? I'll carry it for you another mile. What? What you've been smoking, dude? What are you thinking? No, I, I, I'll, I'll carry it another mile. You see, it's in that second mile that there's a conversation. It's in that second mile that there's, well, can you tell me why? Why would you do this? Why, why, why? Well, we had, this, we, had, we had this teacher come through our village. I've never heard anyone say things like he said. Really, what was his name? Actually, his name was Jesus. See, there's nothing more common than what's required of you. But there's nothing more uncommon than way above what's required. Jesus teaches us. Jesus teaches us the kingdom of God is within you. There's nothing more holy or uncommon than that. But here's what we have. We have the kingdom of heaven and the culture of the world. We have the kingdom of heaven and the culture of the world. So the culture of the world, what's more common? What's more common than hating our enemies? What's more common than cursing those who curse you? What's more common than canceling those who hate you or detesting those who spitefully use you and persecute you? That's the culture of the world, and it is common. Jesus said in Matthew 5, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. This is how you turn common ground into holy ground. And this is how we advance the kingdom of heaven. And this is how his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. I had the privilege earlier in the year of hiking, I love to hike, and I hiked my second Camino. My first Camino was a few years ago with my daughter, and we hiked from uh, Saint Jean Pied de Pont in France to Santiago de Compostela. It was about a 900-kilometer hike with my daughter. It was awesome. It took us uh, 37 days. Now this Camino was shorter. It was only a two-week Camino, and it started in Porto, Portugal. Carol was with me. And um, she was my support crew, so she dropped me off and picked me up. And I walked along the Atlantic coast all the way up into Santiago de Compostela. If you've ever had the privilege of doing one of these longer through hikes, one of the most interesting things on the hike is the people you come across. And many times you'll cross paths with somebody for a couple weeks. And so you kind of get, hello, hey, how you going? And maybe when you've had a coffee, they were having a coffee. And so you, you just meet all kinds of interesting people. And this was no exception. And so there was this young woman, I would guess in her 30s, I don't know. She was really, really different than me, I can tell you, in the fact that you know, she's completely covered in tats. She's got this short haircut. Her name is Drew, which is kind of like a boy's name. 
had a lower husky voice. And I just, I mean, I knew that her world and my world were a long way apart. But as I walked past her one day for, I don't know, the second or third time uh, over a few days, I heard her speak as I walked. She, she, would, she was on her own, but she would be with different groups at different times. And as I walked past her, I heard her say, I think that guy's a military veteran. I heard her say that behind me. And so I stopped and I turned around and I said, um, I am. I said, uh, Army, uh, infantry, U.S. Army. She said, well, I'm ex-Navy. And I said, well, thank you for your service. She said, well, thank you for your service. I said, well, the Army sure appreciates the Navy. I can tell you that. And so honestly, over the, the next week or so, you know, I'd walk past her and I'd say, how's the Navy today? She'd say, the Navy's just fine. How's the Army? Army sure grateful for the Navy, I'd say. And, you know, I couldn't help it. But she got in my heart. She just got in my heart. And, and I was telling Carol about her. And, and I told Carol, I said, you know, when we get to Santiago, if she's standing there in that big piazza looking up at that big cathedral, because that's a big moment. When you walk, you know, in that case, that would have been like 280 kilometers over two weeks. When you get there, it's a bit of an accomplishment for anybody. And it's emotional. It's really emotional. You've really, and, and she's alone. She's all alone. And I have this rapport with her. And I also have this love for her that I can't help. And so I just said to Carol, if she's there, I'm going to walk up to her. And I'm going to tell her I'm proud of her. And she, you know, if, if for no other reason, just one, one U.S. veteran to another U.S. veteran, I'm just going to tell her I'm, I'm proud of her. So, you know, uh, the week went on, and she, at one point she met Carol, and so now it's the last day. Carol's waiting for me in Santiago. She's parked the car. She's waiting for me to come in, and I'm sending her a text, knowing, and I'm telling her, oh, I don't want it to end. Uh, let's, let's walk further. Yeah, I just love it. And so she's waiting for me. Now the last kilometer, you walk into the old city of Santiago, into this glorious piazza with this big. And so just as Carol and I meet, we hold hands, and we got one kilometer and out through the old city. And I look to my left, and standing right there is Drew. And she said, oh, Jack. She said, could I walk in with you? And then she looked at Carol, and she said, oh, oh no, no, no. But, but, but if you two want, I, I understand this. And Carol said, come on, walk in with us. And so she walked with us. And as we got into the big piazza, very emotional. So I'm standing looking at the cathedral, and I'm very emotional. And she's standing over here a couple meters, and Carol's right there. And nobody's saying anything because you just kind of, you know, for the moment. And I turned around with tears in my eyes and saw she also had tears in her eyes. And I walked over to her. I put my arm on her shoulder. And I said, I'm so proud of you. And she just wept and wept and wept. She got on the phone and tried to call her mom. Uh, she's trying to contact her partner. And I think she lived in Colorado, uh, her partner. And uh, anyway, she could. So it was just this incredible moment. And she said to us, could we have lunch together? Carol said, yes, let's have lunch. So we went and sat down and. She was telling me about this really, really black dog of depression that has plagued her. And she began to say to me that 
three days ago, she didn't think she was going to be able to complete the journey because she'd had a panic attack so bad that she didn't think she could make it. And I said, Drew, I had my first panic attack when I was 12 years old. And I said, I know what that dark dog of depression is. She said, what do you do? I said, you don't quit. That's what you do. You don't give up. You don't lay down. You, and, and I said, and then you hold on to something bigger than you and greater than you. And I said, for me, that's God. So we go and we sit down and have a meal. And um, she, um, she said, I said to her, we're going to pray over the meal. I took Carol's hand. She reached her hand out, took my hand. She took Carol's hand. So I just prayed. And then she said, Jack, I've never asked you. What do you do? I said, Carol and I are pastors. She said, no effing way. (laughs) She said, I thought people like you were against people like me. She said, Carol, how did you get, how did this happen? to you and Carol shared her whole story and her whole testimony of how she found Jesus as a young hippie up in Seattle and how Jesus transformed her life and and changed her life and we ate and we wept and we got up and we hugged and we wished each other well and she went that way and we went that way but before we left I looked down at those cobblestones and I felt that maybe that common ground had just become holy ground. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And everywhere you go this week, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And when you share the message and show the mercies of Jesus and the kindness of Jesus, you turn common ground into holy ground. I'm going to close with this. If our team could come up, I'm going to close with this last scripture. And I'll finish and I'll turn it back to, to Simon. We read, I'm reading from Acts chapter 7 and verse 30. And this is Stephen before he's martyred for his faith, this young man. And he's telling the story of Israel. He says, when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dare not look. And then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, actually, he was standing on common ground. Actually, he's there. He's he's, he's standing in the dirt, in a desert, somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. It's dusty. It's dirty. What made it holy? It was the presence of God. That's what made it holy. It was the presence of God. And we can turn common ground into holy ground when we bring the presence of God 
through the message and the mercies of Jesus to those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe that all over the western suburbs and far out here, Lord, that we have the honor and the privilege of turning common ground, everyday, ordinary culture of the world ground into kingdom culture, heavenly culture, merciful kindness, goodness, non-judgmental culture, that, Lord, we could bring the beauty of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, Lord, through our lives and through our testimonies and through our witnesses. And I believe that we can turn common ground all around us to holy ground. Help us do that as we realize we're not of this world. The kingdom of heaven is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. So I ask you to bless these thoughts today and change some of our course and some of our direction. I ask now in Jesus' name.